the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In our Gospel reading for today, the Holy Family escapes the murderous wrath of Herod by fleeing to the land of Egypt. Like his people before him, our Lord spends time in Egypt, but then God brings him up out of it in fulfillment of the words spoken by the prophet Hosea. It's a brief story, but it's really quite interesting. And it's even more interesting if we take a closer look at the names of the Holy Family, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. Now, all three of these names are indeed Old Testament names, which is only 33.3% obvious, based on a rather weird quirk Bible translators have of rendering the same names differently when they're translating them from the Old Testament of Hebrew and the Greek New Testament. Joseph, the guardian of Christ, the husband of Mary, obviously shares a name with Joseph, the son of Jacob. The Virgin Mary shares a name with Miriam, the sister of Moses. And our Lord shares a name with Joshua, the successor of Moses. So all three of these are Old Testament names, but even more to the point, these are all names very much connected to the heart of the Exodus story. And in all three cases, there are very strong parallels between the name-sharing people. So let's start with Joseph. Joseph, the son of Jacob, is sold into slavery by his brothers, the brothers who should love him but despise him because their father treats him with greater honor. Eventually, Joseph becomes one of the most powerful men in the world because God has given him the ability to understand dreams. God speaks to him through dreams and gives him the ability to interpret them. And then, in mercy, Joseph brings his family to safety in Egypt, where he cares for them and protects them, while famine and death were howling around in the Promised Land, in the land of Joseph's father, Israel. Then we have Joseph, the guardian of Christ. God also speaks to him in dreams, telling him both that Mary has conceived the Christ child and that they need to flee to Egypt to escape the wrath of Herod, who hates them all because God has given Jesus the great honor of being the rightful king. Like Joseph before him, this Joseph also protects his family in Egypt while death is howling around in the land of Israel. Then there's Miriam, who watches over her baby brother Moses after the Egyptian king has ordered his death along with the death of all of the Hebrew boys. As Moses floats down the waters of the Nile, Miriam ensures that he is brought to safety as death is surrounding him. And of course, this same Miriam leads the women of Israel in song many years later after, they, after the Israelites escape Egypt. With the women, she proclaims the victory of the Lord who has drowned mighty Pharaoh and his armies in the sea and lifted up his humble people. Compare this with Mary, who holds her baby boy in her arms as they escape the wrath of King Herod, who has ordered Jesus' death. 
Mary, who also proclaims the Lord, the victory of the Lord, who crushes the mighty, who tears down the mighty and lifts up the poor in the song she sings after learning that she's carrying the Christ child. Then there's Joshua, the successor of Moses. Joshua does what Moses couldn't do. He brings to completion the work that Moses could not. He delivers God's people into the promised land. He takes them out of the wilderness and brings them all the way home. So it is with Jesus Christ. Jesus does what could not be done by the thing Moses represented. Jesus does what the law could not do. Jesus gives the salvation that the law can't. He wins eternal life for us that we could not win because we could not keep the commandments. Jesus, the new Joshua, whose name means Savior, gives us salvation and delivers us into the kingdom of God. So then, what are we to make of all of this? All these parallels, what do they mean? Well, first... All of this shows that God is not haphazardly throwing salvation bits and pieces out there. Saving mankind is not something that God does in addition to other God stuff that he's intent on doing, like glorifying himself or receiving praise. Salvation is at the heart of everything God does. Salvation is the reason God created the very heavens and the earth. Salvation is so fundamental to everything that God has made it a story that he's telling in real history. It's the beautiful tale of his love for mankind that God is forging out of real people and real events. From before the foundation of the world, God began writing the story of salvation, preparing to make man his own forever. That's why all of these name-sharing people have so much in common. Furthermore, what the parallels between these various figures show is that the Exodus story, it's not just a story about God's love for a certain ethnic people long ago. It's ultimately his, the story of his love for you. Joseph foreshadows Joseph. Miriam foreshadows Mary. Joshua foreshadows Jesus. The whole point of the Exodus story is not that Jesus, Mary, and Joseph are pointing back to those figures from the days in Egypt, but that those figures in the days of Egypt are pointing forward to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph through whom the story of salvation is now being fulfilled. So Jesus, Mary, and Joseph all have their counterparts. Who then, in the Old Testament Exodus story, foreshadows you? It's the Israelite people. It's those lost in the bondage, those lost in bondage, but those who have been set free and delivered into the kingdom by the one whose name means Savior. Once, you were surrounded by death and the threat of condemnation. Not because of the decree of a sinful king, 
but because of your own sin. The sins that, made your, that, made, that you made king in your own life. Once you were surrounded by transgressions that you refused to abandon. When God called you to repentance. Once you were overwhelmed by your hatred of God and your neighbor. Those transgressions that you kept returning to over and over and over again. But at the same time, you were, in a sense, enslaved by a sinful king. You were enslaved by the devil, the lord of, this, lord of darkness, the ruler of this world. Once he ruled over you, laying upon you the heavy burden of carrying out his will, carrying out his desire to build temples of idolatry and evil, lust and greed, anger and cruelty, faithlessness and cowardice. That's who you were. But then God sent you a Savior named Jesus, born to a woman named Mary, betrothed to a man named Joseph. In Egypt, that infant Savior grew into a little child under Joseph's protection just as another Joseph had done for his people nearly 2,000 years earlier. And just as God led his people out of Egypt and blessed them to go home, so he led you home to the land of his ancestors. So he led Jesus home to the land of his ancestors, to Nazareth, where he grew into a man who, like Moses, was drawn up out of the water. He was drawn up out of the Jordan River in his baptism, where he began to take on your sin. He bore your griefs. He carried your sorrows. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. And in doing so, he fulfilled the law for you. Then he went to the cross. And at that cross, Jesus did what Moses couldn't do. Moses couldn't deliver his people into the kingdom. Joshua did. The law couldn't deliver you into the kingdom of God. But Jesus did that with his gospel, with his mercy, with his forgiveness, with the blood that poured down from the cross, with the love that covered you in his dying words. There in that death, Jesus destroyed your sins by giving you his righteousness. He pulled you out of slavery and out of the desert of your own disobedience with his very own obedience to the law. And he gave you the right to become what God created the very heavens and the earth to make you, his precious child. When you were crushed underneath the weight of Satan's slavery, Jesus Christ breathed his last and crushed the serpent. He killed the evil foe whose reign was echoed by Pharaoh and Herod. He slaughtered the pretender to his throne. As Jesus bowed his head and gave up his spirit, the walls of the Red Sea came crashing down. Then on the third day, and in holy baptism, when he rose from the grave and when he washed you in the waters of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, 
Jesus did the work of Joshua. Joshua took his people who were in the wilderness and parted the waters of the Jordan and carried them across into the promised land. In the waters of baptism, your Joshua, your Jesus, has done the same thing for you. He carried you home. In his death, in his resurrection, and in your baptism, Jesus accomplished everything promised by his name, took you out of slavery, out of the wilderness. And just as Joshua led the Israelites into the promised land by taking them across the waters of the Jordan, in holy baptism, Jesus led you into the greater promised land, into the kingdom of God, into the arms of your Father. He did all of this while sin, death, and the devil were drowned and dead behind you. So that's why you can now take up the song that Miriam and Mary shared. That's why today you can rejoice with the same amount of joy that they had, even though you weren't on the shores of the Red Sea 1,500 years before Christ, and even though you weren't in the hill country of Judah when Mary spoke the words of the Magnificat. You can rejoice because you have received the same blessing that those two women, that those two women oddly joined together by a name that means rebellion. You can just share in the same joy that they had because you've seen the same reward. Those little boys that they watched over grew up to do the work of God. Moses to set his people free from slavery in Egypt. Christ to set his people free from slavery of sin. And because of that, you can now rejoice because the horse and the rider that you have endured has been thrown into the sea. The devil who sought to destroy you has been destroyed. The rich have been sent empty away, and the hungry have been filled with good things. The Lord has conquered your every sin and given you every ounce of righteousness and eternal life in the blood of Jesus Christ. Even if the world tells you that you're insignificant, the Exodus story tells you otherwise. Even if this world screams through its indifference toward you that you don't matter, you do. Even if those who are supposed to love you and cherish you refuse to do so and left you alone and rejected, your Lord has not. Through the Exodus story, he proclaims how important you are. He proclaims to you that you have always mattered and you always will matter. Proclaims that you have always been precious to him and you always will be his most prized possession. And once again, if you want proof, you'll find it in the names of those who make up the Holy Family. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Joshua. Miriam and Joseph.
God connected these people by their names and their work. And he did it to tell you that he loves you. These six people are all connected because this world exists to tell the story of God's love for you. They're all connected because God created this world for you to know that he wanted to make you his own forever. And now, through the death and resurrection of the new Joshua, through your baptism into the triune name, that's exactly what God has done. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.